privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. My first grader was behind in reading, and this program has made a huge difference. She's now reading above grade level. I use it for my kids nightly reading for school. We love it, and it's super easy and quick to do. My kid, who just turned four years old and has been using the program since January of this year, can now read. Thank you so much, Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word KID to 323232 right now. It's fast and easy. Text KID to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text the word KID to 323232. Text KID to 323232. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just one dollar. Text the word grade to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun and everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn to read program that kids love to use. Text grade to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days guaranteed. Text grade to 323232 right now and get started for just one dollar. Text grade to 323232 now. Text grade to 323232. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Welcome to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You where in a single moment you can recognize your brilliance and change your life. This is a transformational hour that covers an array of topics that demonstrate how individuals use their native talents, as demonstrated in their name, to look at the ordinary in extraordinary ways. Albert Einstein once said that everybody's a genius. Why would one of the smartest people on the planet declare that everyone is a genius unless he knew that to be true? I'm Sharon Lynn Wyatt, and in each weekly show, you'll hear the fascinating ways other people discovered the genius in themselves and what they were able to accomplish. At the end of each show, especially tonight's show, you'll hear clues on how you can recognize your own innate genius. All over the world, people have many diverse interests, and in that vein, people have written to our show's producers and asked about different occupations and areas of life that have highly interested them. People want to know how highly successful people have managed to achieve their genius mindset by utilizing the gifts that are seen in the name when we use namology science. Some of the letters have asked, how does someone express their creative talents and how does someone share those gifts with others in such a way that all benefit? Our expert tonight is once again, Bernard Morin, who has done the most remarkable job in sharing his multiple talents with others as he's a shaman, a playwriter, an artist, and so much more. In the past, we've explored his shamanism. Tonight, we're exploring his ability as a playwriter. Bernard has an unusual background because he became aware at a very young age that the world was not entirely as it appeared. In the relative safety or of his early 20s, he began to observe the physical world around him for clues that would make sense of all of his early experiences. He found himself drawn to people with particular physical difficulties and abnormalities. His observations subsequently led him to identify patterns that would reveal histories of both emotional and spiritual trauma. Additionally, he found that he could intuit a person's issues across the street 
then at great distances as if they were right in front of him. This ability led him to question commonly held beliefs about time, space, and question assumptions about illnesses and disabilities. He started to amass a body of observations that still seem out of step with the world. Bernard felt like a foreigner on the planet. In his mid-20s, he entered the world of advertising and stayed immersed there for a period of almost 20 years. However, in 1988, life and eventually his calling proceeded to wake him up. He was introduced first to traditional Reiki and then a very gifted healer. And he finally felt that his life's experiences had been ratified. He hadn't been crazy at all to look at the world so differently than most of us do. His thirst led him into shamanism and then it led him to travel and to start art and become a playwright. So in 1992, Bernard left advertising and started to teach and share his knowledge with others. His artwork is incredible. And tonight we're introducing a new play that he's in the process of, of um, rehearsal, if I understand it right. So this is so exciting to see a different aspect of Bernard since I love to have him on the show. Welcome to Know the Name, Known the Genius in You radio show, Bernard. Sharon, hello. You know, you're so very versatile. Would you tell us very quickly, like, what this play, what the name of it is, um, what stage you're in with it, and just that very brief part before we go into more depth? Okay. The, the name of the play is called is In Continuum, <clears throat> excuse me, which, because it basically describes the progress of the soul and how souls can occupy residences well after they have parted and what is it that keeps them there. Um, we have, uh, we've recorded actually now, and as of today have pretty well uh, finished mixing the sound effects in and everything else. It will be aired here on 89.7 in a, a small local uh, radio station um, on Tuesday, the uh, 31st of October and Halloween night. <laughs> I'm oh. sorry, and it's going to be, uh, I think, 11 in the morning, 7 at night, and then they're running five episodes of it over the next several weeks. So we're well along the way on this one. Well, this is just very exciting, and this is a little bit different than some of your other plays, but it seems like all of your plays have a message or a teaching that's in, contained in them. Is that right? Well, there's the whole reason I teach is because of the message and and how common it all is to all of us and to many of us who have yet to awaken. Um, this this was based on on purchasing uh, a large uh, old mansion I, I purchased in uh, 1985. Sorry, and very quickly within a year or two years realized that there was something very strange going on with this building and. Uh, we eventually, there had been enough, enough happening that was it just inexplicable. It you couldn't put a reason or ration to it at all. So uh, we called in somebody who uh, would channel this entity out and move to find out who it was. Well, very a very malevolent woman was the main entity. In fact, there were three. Okay. The play only deals with two. Take that thought and talk about it when we come back for our break. So stay tuned sure. for the game, Know the Genius in You, and after the break, we'll find out about this entity in this building. Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net.
Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Welcome back. I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, and you're listening to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You. Our guest tonight is Bernard Morin, one of my favorites that I love to have back on the show. Right before the break, he was telling us how he got started in playwriting because he had purchased this building and there was something off with it. So, Bernard, please continue. Okay. Um, so th- what was happening in this building, and there were a number of us, it was, I call it an intentional community. I owned it, but uh, there were several of us who stayed there. Um there were footsteps at night. I was having uh, really difficult dreams. The woman, the woman who stayed in the room next to mine, had uh, dreams of a baby drowning by the boathouse. Uh, we heard footsteps up and down the stairs. Somebody would knock on my door. Uh, a particular glass was being broken, and eventually all, all, all ten of them were broken. Um, you know, curtains would stand up. Uh, at 45 degree angles, even with the windows shut and the piano was being played loudly at night. And the the stone that really broke the camel's back for me was I had a guest who woke up to this female entity trying to strangle her. Ugh. And I thought, okay, yeah, that's it. No, enough. I can live with some of the other stuff. But in the meantime, because of these dreams, I thought I was going crazy because... I never seemed to sleep well there, and it was idyllic to be there, and so it just didn't make sense that I couldn't sleep there. So in calling uh, this uh, one person who channels and a man who who acts as uh, a, a guide for the channel, and calling them in, uh, we found that the main entity was in fact a woman for the woman for whom the house had been originally built, and. Uh, the story sort of progresses from there. What happened as a result of that is we ended up bringing in a shaman uh, to help clear because she wouldn't leave for the first uh, the, the channeling. She she insisted on staying. She was extremely angry. And we became kind of concerned for our safety, really. And so we brought in a very powerful uh, medicine man, a healer, uh, to to clear her, which he did. And that was my intro into shamanism. But in the interim, I kept wondering what it must be like to be this woman. I mean, what is it like? What is her life, quote unquote? What is it like now? You know, she's walking around as if this were still her place. And so from her point of view, everything looks the same, except that there are these intruders these visitors, what are they doing? And they're changing things and uh, and being angry about all of that. And it, it, I became fascinated by what her life might be like. And uh, I, it led me into shamanism and it led me into moving spirits up out who were trapped in physical buildings. And a lot of times they're trapped and they don't know they're trapped. They just know that there are some very odd things going on. So the play explores that from both angles, from her angle and from the angle of the people who are experiencing it and eventually what the shaman had to do to clear it. So so, so that uh, led to the writing then of the play. I beg your pardon, sorry? So this experience then is what your play is about? what the whole play is about and it's uh, it was made into a play because technically I think it's a movie script but um, what a play forces you to do is put it into 
a very efficient um, into an efficient module, if you will, and where everything that is important can happen. Uh, a movie has the luxury of being able to change a location, and a picture will tell a lot of the story. Uh, play doesn't have quite that luxury, and a radio play, <laughs> less than that, you have to describe everything. So it's been an enormous challenge to scope it down from the original movie idea, <clears throat> excuse me, into the play and then into a radio play. Been fascinating, but that really is what started me on all this. I've never been really afraid of ghosts or ghosting. They kind of have always been around me, but it never really occurred to me that I could speak with them. And once you when you this with the sorry. building and once you started that, did you, did more people say that they were hearing ghosts or having ghostly experiences? Did you start having people come to you and share their experiences too? Well, that's interesting. What happened was um, I saw it happening, and then the, the the woman who slept in the in the room next to mine admitted to me that she kept having this weird dream of a baby drowning down by the boathouse, and uh, and the room was always freezing. It didn't matter how hot it was outside. That one room was always freezing, and she couldn't sleep there. So we shifted where she was sleeping, and I said, okay, let's just keep it between us. And we'll see if anyone else has an experience like that in room two. And uh, and then I started asking whether other people had had, you know, unusual occurrences. And it started to spill out that uh, many people had had. There were uh, one or two uh, skeptical people in it. And then all of a sudden they had an experience down by the, ho by the boathouse that completely terrified them. And uh, they, everybody suddenly realized, oh, my God, this is real. This is happening. This really is happening. So, it, I mean, it was a fascinating process and so dramatic when the spirits were cleared from the building that literally it was like someone turned off, uh, you know, the hydro substation that was located in the house. It became so calm and peaceful and areas of the house that had been kind of uncomfortable that you would sit in, but you, you couldn't stay there long, all of a sudden became your favorite place to sit. So it then drove me to, to try to understand what it is that happens to houses that are inhabited by these people. And when you think about it, you've walked into a room where someone has had an argument and you can feel it. Am I right? Yes, you can feel it. That's why I always you say can feel it with me That's right. outside because I don't want it and, all and in the furniture. Exactly. And so somebody can walk into a room that you don't even see and the hackles go up on the back of your neck and you don't know why so your body knows. And, uh, you know, all of this is part of it. So what if you were to buy a house where the residents that had been there before were extremely angry and fought all the time? Now, Which it may be an absolutely happen. beautiful house, but, you know, does that stay there? Wouldn't, wouldn't you what, feel that when you walked into a house, when you were thinking you about think, house? Yeah, you might think so, but, you know, people are very much seduced by oh, wow, this has everything I'm looking for, it's in my my price range, everything's been done, you know, it just doesn't look like there's any reason to reject it. It's not until you've moved in that you realize, boy, this, there's something odd here, it just feels odd, you know. So I started looking into what residue remains after someone has has moved out of a house and uh, it's extremely common. It's absolutely common. And it's also common that houses are built on foundations where previous houses have been, and that spirit still dwells there, and also houses that have been built on native burial sites. So I worked on a house in, uh, in Georgia that had burned and had had two house fires, I think, and then a third, and they were spontaneous. 
very odd. They didn't have, there wasn't anybody there playing with matches. There were no young children. And these fires would just seem to consume it. And I investigated the site and discovered that that was a native, a high chief, actually, burial site right there under the house. Now, in shamanism, you're able to move that site. So for the chief who is buried there, he feels like he's always in the same place. But I've, in fact, moved him and the hill in in the, uh, the energy to a slightly different place. The house can therefore be clear. It's a little hard so to describe that. <laughs> is that something similar to if somebody passes away in a house? Um, would that affect the energy of the house that then people would pick up on afterwards? Absolutely. <laughs> now, it, it depends on the readiness of the of the person who is passing over. If it's someone who's ready for death and it feels complete and they're ready to move on, it's unlikely that their spirit would stay in the house longer than perhaps three days. Um, if the person is unprepared and death is sudden, or if they're attached to the house as their uh, sense of safety or there is something that never never finished you know you 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 never got to apologize to this one person or your partner then they will be attached to that house they will stay with that house and so my job going in uh, uh sorry no uh, one other story there's a, a small hotel here that always felt bizarre and i uh i i walked in and i said you've got a spirit in the basement and the fellow who ran the main floor business said, it's always cold and dark down there. So I went down, and there was a six-year-old boy huddled in a corner. And I kind of spoke with him and found that the story was that the um, he, had, he was separated from his mother, and he had come down here to protect himself. He was huddled. So I moved him up, and immediately the man who... who uh, rented the space who was not particularly a believer said wow it's like somebody suddenly put in 150 watt bulbs down here right, instead, of, instead of what was there before and then i went upstairs and in the back bedroom found the child's mother then i discovered uh you don't always get a full history i discovered that there had been a fire in that hotel and they had died and that's why their spirits were there. They were separated. He was looking for his mother, and she was looking for him. And they were separated in the building. So they were still doing that. They were still looking for each other. So once you helped them find each other, were they able to be released? Yes. Yeah, they left the space. I, I take them up to... I hesitate to call it heaven because that, that infers a religious understanding of it and I don't I want to stay completely neutral there but uh, one of the lines in the play is do you believe in the phrase you create your own heaven you create your own hell and in which case um, you go to your version of heaven and your version of heaven may be a meadow on a hillside or it may be a small lake or it may be uh, the pearly gates, and it may be God, and it may be cloud, or whatever it is, but it's your version of it. So, so I they, take them up, and they go to their version. Okay. We're going to stay tuned to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You. After the break, we'll find out some of the different ways and different things that Bernard has written that has assisted people to heal and about some of his different experiences.
This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Sharon Lynn Wyeth, and you're listening to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You. Our guest tonight is Bernard Morin, who can be reached via his website, in the name of healing.ca. Bernard, before the break, we were talking about houses and how they feel when certain people live in them or don't leave them. From the house's perspective, if they've got a spirit living there, how does the house feel? That is a fascinating question. Uh, in the play I wrote, um, it's it's a witnessing, and because it spans uh, a few periods in time, someone said to me, looking at it from a linear sense, well, how can that be if that person's died and this person's died? How can they be how can they be talking about it? And the answer is, it's the house's perspective. The, the house is the witness, the ultimate witness. So the house is the vessel in which holds all of that. The house, I, I've never talked to a spirit of a house other than sometimes they will uh, speak to me when I'm walking through and say there's something odd going on here. I just get a feeling and I'll go to it, but I've never actually addressed the house. Now, if I were making changes to a house, I would address the house, to the spirit of the house and say, well, what would you like, you know, um, what, would, what the, would honor you? One of the men that I know that is a broker and has quite a few real estate people working for him has mentioned that houses that are unoccupied is where all the wasps and the bugs start hanging out because they feel like there's no energy there to protect it. And the house says, fine, at least there's something alive here. What would you say to that? I know that uh, if you know the theories, uh, it's actually more than a theory of geopathic stress, uh, which is these are uh, lines that are, are formed around the world and what uh, they rise vertically. I mean, they're, they're a water vein, but the energy rises vertically through them and they can go through high-rise buildings. Um, what happens is certain things are attracted to negative energy. Bees, wasps, spiders, and cats, believe it or not. Cats will lie on negative energy spots overall. So I, I can't completely speak to why uh, insects would be attracted to that, except that we do a good job of keeping insects out for the most part. But they are attracted to the negativity. And how that fits, I'm not totally sure. But that will change if there's a positive vibe in the house. Humans carry a particular resonance, a resonance of the earth, which is, I think, 78.3 hertz. And without humans in residence there, that may drop, in which case insects are attracted to it. So let's say someone has a vacation house. So they love that house, but they're not there all the time because it's a vacation house. Would that hold the energy and sustain the house, or would the house feel abandoned in between? No, it would hold it for about a month, uh, a month or five weeks, but uh, it has to be built up again. And you notice people with vacation homes or cottages, when they go into them after a period of time, they feel empty. They aren't warm. The physical space may be welcoming, but they don't have a warmth about them. That's a human feeling. And so they resonate with that warmth after someone's been in them for a while. So as long as somebody went to their vacation house at least once a month, it it would be okay? Yeah, so they have to be prepared to uh, fill it up again when they get back. So. Oh, okay. Well, I was wondering, too, if that caused pipes to break more or something else that that house felt abandoned, because that would then attract other people to it to fix it. Um. 
what it can do um, is spirits move and they are sometimes attracted to other places. For instance, at the house that I had, there was a spirit is not mentioned in the play, where there was a young girl who was attracted there by the love. And I thought, isn't that fascinating? And I heard that from the shaman. He said, I, I asked who she was, and he said, oh, she came here for the love. And I thought, oh, okay, well, then she can stay. Um, but spirits will occupy an empty house, but then we're never really sure. An empty house may be empty because people don't feel good there. You know, it's a, it's a moot point at this at this particular juncture. Talking about playwriting, and your plays have such messages, do you have a favorite play that you've written, or is the current one that you're working on always your current favorite? No, the current one is it. Yeah, I'm... It's it's turning into a life work. A friend today said, "I think it's your. Uh, I think it's it's really about your life, and it's multi-layered." The gentleman who's helping me with the editing today has said every time he listens to it, and we're listening to some sections twenty and twenty-five times, he said, "I'm suddenly discovering that there are so many layers to this. I didn't get the first time I I listened." And that is kind of what I wanted to do was if you listen deeply or listen again, you will hear more messages behind it. So uh, for I, I had a, a stage the reading of it a while back and had the, my phone went crazy for the next three days. I had people calling and said, I have to talk to you. I have, I've got all these questions. You know, initially as a playwright, you could think, oh, well, I failed. I didn't those questions weren't answered and I thought, no, I succeeded because <laughs> I want to prick the conscious. You know, I want people to think about it. I want them to walk away wondering about things. And it did, it does that. It's a very uh, consciousness raising play and it can be accepted at a very innocuous level. But so it can, Yeah. So it can reach all of the audiences, no matter where they are in their own understandings, in other words. Right. Exactly that. And there's a lot of humor in it, and people can either get the humor or not, but they understand it's funny, and other people are laughing, but it's not, not everyone is, is supposed to be getting all of it, or understanding all of it. Do you think the average person, given enough time or enough viewings, would then understand all of it? Yeah, I think so, because within each layer of it, there is uh, a certain amount of understanding, which will make you think. It opens your brain in particular areas, and that's what it's designed to do, um, is, you know, you start thinking, thinking, okay, who is this person, and why is this person here, instead of saying, I don't want to hear about it. I mean, I don't want to know about this. You can't, don't talk about it. You start questioning, why would this person be here? Why are they here? What's What's going on? Why are they so physical? You know, why are they throwing things and moving things and and doing uh, you know things to really bring your attention to her? Um, it it raises a lot of questions, and it's fascinating. I have um, uh, at a, a case just two weeks ago where a young boy has been talking to a spirit in the corner of a room in the daycare center, and the operators told his mother, he's only four, and said, you know, he's been talking to, it looks, looks like he's talking to somebody in this corner, and she, the mother noticed at the same time that there was this spoken fear of ghosts, and uh, I thought, okay, number one, this child is incredibly sensitive and open, and if it's creating fear, then the, the opportunity is to teach him to say, don't talk to me right now, I don't want to talk to you. Like, right. you, you're scaring me, so I don't want to talk. Right, and put the so child in charge. So when the child empower, makes it, it, do that... Yeah, then empower, he, empower the child. Empower the child and teach the child that it's not crazy. And children are open. They, they see things and they draw things they shouldn't know about. They're, they're connecting to other lives or versions of lives that they've lived. And if if a child is exhibiting that, it's not weird. You can ask them about it. 
and uh, you can say to this child, what does he say? What is, is it a guy? Is it a, who is it? How old is this person? So, so uh, yeah, during, I mean, it's yeah, utterly fascinating. During the time period of Halloween, um, are more people receiving it? We always read that that's when the veil between the worlds is the thinnest. So are more people receiving or what do you see or sense that's going around during that time period of the year that we call Halloween? Um, that's a fascinating study. And uh, in parts of the world, it's, it's Guy Fawkes Day, you know, and or the Day of the Dead. And it's, you know, it, for us, it's turned into the business of fear, really, fear <laughs> and candy. And um, fear is its own opening and can create problems. But for the most part, I think the real teaching is, okay, to your child, you know, honey, that, that isn't real. That man, the blood running down his face, and all, that isn't real. He's wearing a mask. Oh, it's a teaching opportunity, not around fear. So, um, it, you know, there are spirits that we talk about, but I've never actually seen them walk down the street during Halloween. I see them on other occasions, <laughs> not Halloween. <laughs> Halloween's, Halloween's kind of fun, actually, you know. I refer to it as the high holiday. <laughs> the high holiday. I always wonder if more people pass away during that holiday or that time frame, if that veil is thinner, if that would help people cross over that maybe didn't want to work as hard to cross over or had more fear of it or, you know, just thought, oh, this is an easier way. Uh, that's interesting. Um uh, you know, there's a study that that needs to be done. I my sense is that uh, more people cross over uh, on occasions like Thanksgiving and Christmas in the middle of the night when no one's there. There's an emotional connection, and their people are absent, so their their souls are vibrant. But when people are not present, then the soul can leave. And there are people who do vigils. Um, I personally disagree with staying with someone who's dying as a vigil un until they pass. I think, in fact, you're prolonging that journey for them, that if you were to leave, they would probably pass quite quickly, and most deaths occur at night when no one's there, for good reason, you know. Now, see, that to me is just fascinating, and and maybe it's because I'm aware of so many deaths lately and people that are that are in that stage, you know, that we've been told their time is very short. So if I'm understanding you correctly, you're saying not to cause people to always be present so that the person can pass. That's right. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the story that, that this came to me through. And okay. that was um, a, a gentleman. After the break. Yep. Okay. Because okay. we don't have enough time for the whole story, and I would like it all in one session if it's okay with you, because I, I don't like to break stories in the middle. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's interesting that, you know, that's just counterintuitive to, I think, how we've been taught, that we've been taught you need to be there so that the person can pass, um, you know, instead of don't be there so the person, you know, can pass more easily, especially when... We've heard different stories, and I'd love this addressed after our break, of somebody waited until somebody arrived before they passed. So stay tuned, yes. know the name, know the genius in you. After the break, we'll find out what Bernard Morin has in his name that has assisted him, and more about this topic of do we have vigils when somebody passes or do we not, and what's in the best interest of the person who's getting ready to pass. Uh, Bernard's website is in the name of healing.ca. See you on the other side of the break. Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, 
Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, and you're listening to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You. Our guest tonight is Bernard Morin, who has taken his shamanic skills to level where he's able to see what's occurring with somebody else, regardless of where they are. And he's taken his artistic skills and playwriting ability to an incredible level where he helps other people gain in consciousness and in awareness. Bernard, right before the break, uh, you were going to tell us a story, and I'm sorry I had to cut you off, but I wanted to get all of it in one piece, so please continue. Okay. Um, the the awareness that um, people will exit easier without someone else there came because of a man who uh, was describing uh, a death of a, of a person in uh, New York, and there had been a couple of friends there, and it was just you know, it was, it was staying on a long time, and they'd gone out for lunch and came back, and the because the monitor was saying that there was no heartbeat, and he very wisely said to this person's partner, "Say that you love him, and uh, because he can probably still hear." And every time those words were spoken, the heart started blipping on the monitor, and then oh, it would stop. Every time it was said again the heart would start blipping. And it occurred to me that that expression of love and caring was actually keeping the body alive longer than it needed to be if the exit was right. I mean, if the exit um, is premature, it won't happen. But if it's overdue, it will when there is permission of that nature. So what I've discovered on my own is that... um, if you don't hang in the room uh, overnight, you can be nearby, but you aren't right in the room that in fact the spirit is able to leave the body. Now, the spirit is still in the room so that when you come in in the morning, uh, you're able to speak to the spirit as a person still sitting there because there is a presence in that spot. And very often people who are dying will wait until a family member arrives because there's a transaction that needs to take place there. But if that person who arrives stays the whole time, it it ends up protracting the death past comfort, really. Okay, so if I'm understanding you correctly, um, it's good for someone to go and express their love for the individual, but then sleep in another room or leave and give that person privacy. And so, in other words, the person isn't dying alone, per se, because somebody else is in the vicinity, but they are dying alone because nobody else is in their room. That's right. That's right. And the other thing that can help or can be done is to open a window. Okay, so now why the, that? Uh, I learned that from a, a, a nurse in a veterans hospital in uh, Arizona, and uh, they they would have spirits in the room doing things when there was supposedly no one there, like the tap would turn on and, or the, the buzzer would be pushed and there's no one there. And Mary knew very, I mean, the, the training nurses would be petrified 
And she said, oh, come on, now you just wait in the hall. And she'd walk in and she'd open the window and said, I would say, oh, I'm sorry, we didn't, we, we didn't open the window for you there. You should, you should be better now and just walked out of the room and it ended. Right. And so the spirit itself doesn't, re, isn't really aware that it can go through walls at that point. So it needs an exit place. An exit way or way of, of getting out and up into the sky or whatever version of heaven it is for them. Okay, so if we're there with a loved one that we know is going to be crossing soon, when we say good night and leave the room, we've got to leave the window open or the sliding glass door open or something open. Can we leave the or screen you, closed or, or, not? or make sure it, it's open in the morning? Oh, okay. Okay, so it doesn't they, have to be it, at night. That's right. It doesn't have to be that overnight. Okay. So, Bernard, what's the basis of healing? In other words, what do people need to know in order to heal whatever is bothering them? That's a very big question, Jerome. Um, my life, my whole life thing is face your fear. It's it. It just face it. Don't don't stand back from it. But to make yourself more alive than ever, face the fear and uh, find an outlet for your anger. Find an outlet for your sadness. Give yourself permission to be who you are completely. Um, but, you know, uh, just go after the fear. My my fear of bears was overcome that way from two friends who knew instinctively that I had to go and go camping and camp out with with bears in the area in order to get past the fear and it's it's so tr it's true of everything in life if you really look at it and you face it it's not that scary so it's kind of like scary. <laughs> it's kind of like that um that there's a saying that once you face your fear um then you get to create new fears right because that one's no longer a fear I don't know about creating new ones, uh, but the ones that uh, really dominate your life can be, once they're faced, are not an issue any longer. And it so, reduces an enormous amount of stress. So what doesn't scare you to death makes you stronger. <laughs> Pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So if you could change one thing about people's understanding or how they look at the world, what would that one thing be? Nothing is quite as sure as change. And, and our world well, right now to, definitely have change. Well, it's to accept that change is inevitable, and people who who seek to control things and not let them change and all of that are inhibiting the natural state of being. Things will change, and to embrace that, and again, don't be afraid of it. But isn't a sign of control, I've, I've just read this recently, that a sign of control means that it's really coming from a basis of fear, because if you were not in fear, you wouldn't need to control. What do you think about that one? I think that's absolutely true. And again, the big enemy is fear. Okay, is fear. And then F-E-A-R, uh, we jokingly say, is future events as already real so that you're looking at some of the future as if it's already real, so you're afraid of it today, when every day, if you just walk through the day, you're fine during the day. Right. My acronym for it is false experience appearing real. Oh, I like that one, too. Um, <laughs> is there anything else that you're currently working on that you'd like to share with us? Um, I'm working at <clears throat> changing things at the cellular level uh, for people. So I'll be, I have the opportunity to work with someone with stenosis um, shortly, and I'm going to work at changing the molecules of the, of the restriction in, in the spine. Um, and I think that's completely possible. It's just a matter of focusing one's attention to the point where that can happen. And I've had changes happen with people over the phone. That's kind of where I'm... I'm focusing at the moment. So I have a question about that. Something that I hear that a lot of people have is tinnitus. 
and you go to the ear doctor and they're clueless on what to do with it. And then some, uh, one of the brain people I was talking with said, well, it doesn't have anything to do with the ear. It really has to do with the synapses and the connection to the brain. But so many people are affected by tinnitus. Are you able to help people that have that also? No, not yet. I have it. <laughs> so, I mean, I would love to. And, and of course, the biggest problem is healers can never work on themselves. Right. They have to work with other people, right, or get other people to work on them. So um, I haven't, but I, I know this, that tinnitus is common, or the instigation of it is common through periods of stress. And when you think about the volume of input we have here on the on the world in the world every day i mean it's it's remarkable that everyone doesn't have it well i mean I it's talking on the phone we're we're walking through uh, laser beams all the time and through radio waves it's uh the, the teachers everywhere. i talk with anymore um i have a lot of friends that are teachers because i was a teacher for so long and they are saying that if you look at the children today in our classrooms, so many of them have anxiety. And so that's a whole other yeah. topic. I want to thank you so much for being with us, Bernard. It is always a pleasure. Thank you. And I have to thank you for uh, encouraging me to lose my, sorry, lose to, to lose my nickname and to use my full name that that would uh, that would result in my finishing more things and not taking on too much. And that's what pneumology has done for me. Oh, yay. So <laughs> oh, my pleasure. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> All right, everyone, be prepared. And please, when you experience Bernard's work, his website again is in the name of healing, C-A, uh, dot C-A. Bernard likes to make the world a better place and has an eye for beauty as well as being a great detective, wanting to know the background of the ones around him. That comes from having the first vowel of an E in his name, and some of his artistic abilities are lying there also. So if your first vowel is an E, you too wish to make the world a more beautiful place, and it's just finding where that beauty of your own artistic is gonna come out. Is it a typical artistic way, or is it coming out in how you design things and how you place furniture? There's a lot of different ways of having an artistic way. Do you know where your um, genius lies? Well, I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, host of the radio show, Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, which can be heard every weekday at various hours right here on xzbn.net radio, an X-Zone radio station. Tune in to hear the fascinating ways people discovered the genius in themselves. And if you want to know more, you can also go to knowthename.com. And we'll see you next week. Sure.